In the name of the loving, life-giving, and liberating God, who is Blessed Trinity, amen. You may be seated. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God has arrived, and he invites those around him to participate in the reign of God. Many respond and reach out to God, taking hold of the healing, empowerment, and acceptance that Jesus offers. But today, we hear of a group who does not, the people of Nazareth, who watch Jesus grow up. And this story should strike us as a little strange. I went home to visit my family just a couple weeks ago, and I encountered what I always encounter there, a group of people who are extraordinarily and outsizedly proud of who I have become. And I'm sure you've had this experience in your own lives. Just thinking of the church, how many youth have you raised up and sent out? Or how many seminarians or curates have you nurtured and sent forth? You are proud of each of those people and I'm sure that you would receive any of them back into your midst with joy. So why is this not the case in Nazareth? If you remember back to the beginning of June, we have already had a story of Jesus with his family in his hometown of Nazareth. Back in the third chapter of Mark, the scribes came from Jerusalem and accused Jesus of casting out demons in the name of Satan. At the same time, Jesus' family was trying to restrain him. All of this happened in Nazareth. So their hometown boy had been rebuked by the respected religious leaders in their midst. Then Jesus had turned around and, in effect, rebuked his family for listening to their leaders and attempting to care for Jesus in the only way they knew how. And now Jesus is back, and you can hear how the tenor of the town has changed since his last visit. At his teaching, they are now incredulous. Who does he think he is? Didn't some of the scribes already rebuke him? Didn't his family try to stop him? Why is he still teaching? Unfortunately, this may not be an unfamiliar experience for some of you. It was certainly not unfamiliar for Mark's audience, many of whom had probably been cut off from their family when they had insisted on following the teachings of Jesus. And there are too many of us who have experienced rejection at the hands of family and friends, some even in the name of religion. The issue here is that following God is not as clear-cut as we imagined it would be. And again, if we can look inwards at our own congregation, we can quickly see how we can hold vastly different opinions and still believe in the same God. Our beliefs rest on the same foundation, but have been built up into vastly different structures. The trick is to recognize our common foundation to recognize the image of God in one another, and to work together, not to build identical structures, but to be as true to our foundation as possible. 
And the truth is that as we work together, we may find that part of what we've built on our own foundation is clarified or corrected by someone else's structure. Diversity is our strength, but that doesn't mean we still cannot learn from one another and grow in ways that were not possible before we met someone different. That is why diversity is such a strength. The end goal is not cookie-cutter unity, but a plethora of people, each uniquely touched and shaped, sharpening each other to bring the kingdom of God to reality in each of our lives. Because the kingdom of God does not exist without the relationships that exist between us. Loving God and loving our neighbors requires that we interact on a personal level, level which is why when Jesus rebuked his family and the Nazarenes back in chapter 3, he did it by redefining family. Family is not just something you're born into. It is also the groups of people whom God decides to draw together. All who do the will of God are my mother and my brother and my sister. When I preached on that passage at the beginning of June, I said that Jesus' words were not a rejection of his family, but an invitation into a wider family. The point of Jesus' rebuke is not rejection, but invitation into the kingdom of God, an invitation which requires us to turn around, to see the world in a new light, to step into the wholeness of God's dream for the world. And God's dream is so much more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus was unable to work any great deeds of power in Nazareth because no one was willing to come to the plow with him. The gospel frames this in terms of faith or belief. Jesus had said more than once, your faith has made you well. We tend to think of this as an intellectual assent, a belief that Jesus is doing God's work and believing that a miracle can take place. Yes, but right down at the core, at the most basic level, is a willingness to change, to allow the kingdom of God to take root. Last week, the woman with the hemorrhage was healed of a 12-year sickness. Her life had come to be defined by her sickness. It had eaten her time, her money, in all likelihood, her family and her strength. To be healed of that illness meant that her life would be entirely different than it had been for the past 12 years. We might think that choice would be easy, but change is never easy. It can be exceedingly good, but it's not easy. So it's remarkable that the woman puts her hand to the plow and comes to work alongside Jesus. She is accepting the change in her life, believing that God's kingdom promises more for her and reaching out for that abundance. And this is why Jesus comes into our lives, declaring that the kingdom of God is here, offering repentance, 
and that quiet rebuke, which can sting so badly, but whose only aim is to bring us into the love of God. So I want us to sit in the place of the Nazarenes today, sit in that place of reluctance. There are places in all of our lives where we can be stubborn and set in our ways. Where are the places that Jesus is offering a gentle rebuke, offering an invitation to turn around and step more fully into the kingdom of God? What place in your life are you shielding from the love of God? Where might fuller vibrancy wait just around the corner? This can be in your own personal life or in the things that God is calling you to do. We are a diverse group. We care about different things, which is how the kingdom of God should be. Where does your heart line up with God's heart? Where do you long to make a difference? Accept the grace of God and put your hand to the plow with Jesus. The second part of our gospel today is Jesus sending out the disciples to continue his message that the kingdom of God has arrived. So let's follow them in that mission, being sent as surely as they are sent. Let's follow into the life that God has created us to live. We are not only the Nazarenes feeling rebuked and lashing out in turn, but we are also the disciples sent forth to do the work. How can we shed our inhibitions and begin doing the work that calls our names? We are the body of Christ. Each of us has been uniquely gifted and called to reveal God's love in certain places. If something has been weighing on your heart, find out how to implement it. God laid it on your heart for a reason. Stand up and let's say yes to God. Amen.